Hello and welcome to the Trinity Fit Over 40 podcast with me, Rob Burkhead. Today's episode is with Trinity member Beth Hocking, who's 42 and a leadership coach for ambitious women. However, this is a fairly recent transition for Beth. She spent her 20s and 30s climbing the career ladder to a very senior global sales role, which involved tons of international travel, entertaining clients, and a lot of pressure to perform managing big teams. Now, her favorite part of all of this was leading her teams, building their confidence, and helping them to progress in their careers. So when lockdown hit, the travel stopped, and she hit the milestone birthday of 40, she had a bit of an epiphany and decided to double down on her passion, get qualified as a coach, and she set out on her own to help other women to reach full potential in their careers. So throughout her 30s, Beth had tried a variety of things to manage her weight with varied success, but even when they weren't the most sustainable approaches, when things had slipped, she did usually manage to get her weight back under control. However, since turning 40, Beth noticed that things that used to work weren't working anymore, no matter how much dieting, extra cardio, or HIIT training that she tried, nothing seemed to get the scales moving anymore. And she wondered if this was it. She'd been told by her mum that once you're in your 40s and menopause hits, there's nothing you can do anymore to avoid piling on the weight. However, since joining Trinity in our Fit Over 40 program just six weeks ago, Beth had already lost nearly four kilos, which is two thirds of a stone, and her energy and confidence are through the roof. So in today's episode, Beth reveals not only how she was able to lose the weight, but also the secrets to reaching that next level of career success, even if you're currently struggling with things like imposter syndrome and perfectionism that are keeping you stuck. So without further ado, it's an amazing episode, so let's get straight into today's episode of the Trinity Podcast. So Beth, thank you for making the time and joining me. Thank you so much for having me. It's such a pleasure. So before we get into kind of what you're doing right now, I actually want to rewind sort of five to 10 years, you can choose the kind of time frame to provide a bit more context about how you ended up here, both in terms of career and in terms of your, your health and fitness journey as well. So let's rewind. Where were you five, five years ago? Where were you at in your career journey, first of all? Ooh, five years ago. Um, I wish you had started with 10 years ago, actually. Okay, let's do 10 years ago. Story. Let's do 10 years ago. Let's do the good story. <laughs> so 10 years ago, I um, was, and this sounds really fancy, but I was living in New York. And I'd spent the best part of 2012 living in New York um, for work. And, you know, something that I thought was going to be amazing and an amazing opportunity um, turned into something that I realised I actually couldn't wait to get back um but what came with that was um when I did get back to London was a diagnosis that I was not very happy with so I actually got diagnosed with pre-diabetes when I came back from that kind of um prolonged trip to New York and I think you know in terms of how that kind of kick-started my health and fitness journey it's probably like a really good place to start because all of a sudden I was you know quite overweight on the American carb heavy diet um oreos and um bud light beer i think was a staple in my uh <laughs> in my fridge um and started to panic so i um was probably 30 pounds overweight or overweight that i felt comfortable with and you know also with this pre-diabetes diagnosis was a massive wake-up call for me and realized i needed to do something a bit more serious and you know that, that i couldn't take my health for granted so um, when I was back in London and settled, I joined a gym and I was reading about, you know, how to reverse prediabetes, because obviously once you get diabetes, that's, you know, something 
I think you actually can reverse that now, but you know, you really have to manage. So I was, I was like really in shock, honestly. So kind of thought about, you know, what am I going to do? And the books that I read, you know, I don't know how helpful they would be now, but it was like no carbs, no sugar. And I joined a gym. So I went on this very kind of crash diet of no carbs, no sugar, joined a gym. Um, There is one good thing out of the three of those, which is that I joined a gym and I have always been to the gym ever since. So that is a good kind of 10 years of, you know, learning how to lift properly. So it's always weight, weight training, learning how to lift, getting a personal trainer, doing it with good technique and good form and kind of fell in love with, with lifting from, from the beginning. Um, And I had varied success. I did lose 40 pounds pretty much, but very quickly and not very sustainably. Um, So whilst I've never gone back to being, you know, that big, I did then obviously do some rebounding and then obviously had um, the all clear from the doctor. So I had reversed my pre-diabetes. It was fantastic, you know, best day ever, if I recall. Um, But then I was left with this unsustainable body that I didn't know how to, like, move on from here. Um, So I spent kind of the next few years really trying to figure out what that looked like for me. So as I said, lifting was a constant, but then, you know, how did I manage my food? And, you know, I had a really stressful job. So I was still traveling um, the world um, in my corporate career and I was um, a, a global salesperson. So I was like traveling all over hence why I lived in New York as well and you know just trying to manage you know the balance of you know taking clients out for dinner you know glasses of wine socializing in London with my friends um, and of course you know not going back to who I was before so I think you know if you think about what the past looked like actually that was quite a turning point for me um, in some good ways and in some bad ways. And just to give some context then this was in your sort of 30 you went through this journey is that right yeah so I'm I'm 42 at the moment so yeah that's like just in my early 30s yeah so yes a lot of kind of crash dieting um I also did a lot of cardio um you know that doesn't surprise you at all um alongside the the weight training and you know hit training as well um so yeah all of the traditional things I guess that you do so you were trying lots of stuff on top of this kind of fast-paced career um but with mixed success is that so lost the weight crept back on and then I would start looking for other things you know to kind of figure out what I could do next right so I kind of bounced around from diet to diet and tried to figure out you know what was going to be sustainable for me um and I'm actually you know if I look in hindsight I'm actually not sure if I thought about sustainable diets I think I just thought oh I've put on some weight let's you know see what I can do to just get rid of it quickly again Um, So I don't think I actually thought about what was the long term, what was the long term damage to my body that I was doing from yo-yo dieting, um, from trying all of the the things. I'd had some success with Weight Watchers in uni days. So Mm -hmm. I kind of thought about, oh, should I go back to Weight Watchers or, you know, should I do the, I mean, keto, Atkins, all of those things were quite popular, you know, kind of 10 years ago as well. And obviously I'd had that success from taking out the carbs before. So, you know, I was just trying um, almost in desperation, really, to think about what could be the solution for me. Fasting, I did a lot of fasting. I went down to one meal a day at one point, um, which is obviously horrific when I look back now. It's absolutely, um, you know, the worst thing I did for my body. And I think about the long term damage that, you know, going into a new diet, even going into, you know, 
Trinity for over 40, you know, just a few weeks ago, thinking about has my um, past history with dieting damaged my chances of success moving forward from here as well? Yeah, I think it's quite a common fear and it it can have an impact, definitely repeated dieting. I mean, we'll get onto your results in a bit because it shows you can still see great results, especially in your case. But over the next few years then, so we covered like the sort of that period where you were kind of pushing your career, moving around, trying all these different things. What then happened? So there's obviously the pandemic hit. Did that have an, an impact on things um, career-wise? And like, when when did you decide to make that shift in your career, I suppose? Because what you do now is not the same as what you just described. Yeah, and I think you've hit the nail on the head there, Rob. So the, the P word, the pandemic, um, is responsible for, for quite a lot of changes in my life. And I'm pretty sure it's the same for um a lot of people that you work with as well so um as I said I was you know running global teams I was traveling the world um I remember 2016 and 2019 were probably where I I kind of covered the most ground in terms of my air miles um and then to kind of go into all of that um into kind of shock mode really into 2012 uh, 2020 so I already worked from home but because I had all of these travel elements and I could work from different offices all over the world. And, you know, my clients were all over the world. So I kind of, it was up to me to manage my time and where I wanted to be. Um, and, you know, it was it was a brilliant lifestyle for me. Um, we don't have children. So, you know, there wasn't any kind of obligations at home. I am married um, to an amazing, uh, supportive, encouraging husband who, you know, also loved travel as much as I did, really. So, you know, I think was quite envious about the amount of travel that I was able to do. Um, and, you know, obviously overnight that was kind of taken away. And I had, you know, really long days at home. Um, there was you know, no interaction with other human beings, really, as you know, um, no travel, you know, work was suddenly everything was on on Zoom and online and all of the things that I was like, I think I was in shock for quite some time. I at the very beginning, I definitely hit the wine a little bit harder um, and I got on the banana bread baking trend. Which oh, yeah. I <laughs> Um, and then I realized, oh, I can't do this uh, for much longer. So I actually did two things in lockdown, which were massive turning points for me. Um, one of which was a real reflection on, you know, my life and my career. And um, so, as I said, I was, you know, actually I turned 40 in lockdown as well. So um, turning 40, milestone birthday and, you know, wondering if I wanted to spend the next 25 years doing the same thing in the same career. And I think that the answer came to me loud and clear that that wasn't something I wanted to to progress for the next 25 years and it wasn't to say I was unhappy in my career I loved my job was obviously you know with all the travel and all the perks um, and all the things I was very senior um, and got paid a really really great salary you know it was, it's something you know that I kind of took for granted I guess um, as well uh, having kind of built up that career over 20 years, you know, it was always on to the next, on to the next, on to the next. And then when I really reflected in lockdown, you know, what is it that I actually wanted to do with, with the next phase of my career? Um, and, you know, just as a side note, at that age, I wonder if there's, um wasn't quite conscious of it, but I wonder if there's an element of menopause or pre-menopause thinking in there as well, because I think a lot of women in our 40s start thinking about what's next. And I do wonder, you know, I think it's too much of a, um, 
a coincidence to think that it isn't um, something to do with kind of perimenopause or that kind of thinking coming up as well. So I know that's just a, a bit of a side note. So I reflected on what I loved about my job and I loved um, coaching and mentoring my teams. Uh, and I had done that, you know, fairly successfully throughout my career. And, you know, at, at that moment in time, I had a really young team and, you know, they were all coming through so well. They were all getting you know, promoted and, you know, I was all seeing so much progress with them through a slightly different style of coaching that I had started to adopt. And when I looked at it, I was like, that's actually where I feel the most reward. And that's what I feel is most fulfilling for me. So with all this time I suddenly had on my hands when I wasn't traveling and all the evenings that were getting longer, um, I qualified. So I started looking at, you know, what I could do and I qualified as a coach. So I actually have two um ICF accredited uh, qualifications so I'm a personal development coach and I'm also a career corporate executive coach um as well and you know that's how I spent my free time in lockdown you know I worked full-time and then I uh, coached on the side and you know learned how to become a really effective coach even though obviously I was doing that as part of my job I really learned you know the nuts and bolts of how to do it professionally um so that was exciting and then obviously realized when we could go traveling again, you know, when was the right time to actually, you know, do the deed and quit my job and start setting up my own company and thinking that through. So in a way, thankfully for me, the pandemic was that long because it gave me a bit of breathing space to think about what was coming next. So that was one of the big things that I did in lockdown. And the second one was more kind of health and fitness related. Um, which probably is my other passion at this point in time, you know, 10 years of lifting. Um, obviously, we took lifting, I took lifting into my second bedroom. Um, and that became my gym, I, I did manage to get my hands on some dumbbells and some kettlebells. And, um, you know, was was kind of lifting weights in my second bedroom, and also doing an awful lot of hit workouts. Um, because I think, you know, it was that interaction with other people. Um, so I was doing it on Zoom classes and, you know, it was something to do. And it was a really nice way of kind of keeping my weight down and keeping me on track. Um, and I hired a coach and I did a really successful diet over lockdown, which is brilliant because I didn't have any social life and, you know, everything was quite easy to maintain. And I lost around nine or 10 kilos, um, which was amazing for me. And some, I've never been um so I was kind of around 58 kilos um so for context I'm five foot four so you know I've never been that lean I was turning 40 I actually did a photo shoot um to celebrate because I just felt like wow I'd never been in such great shape and it was such a good goal to have like to turn 40 in the best shape of your life you know was was something that meant so much to me um and so yeah those are the things that I did in uh lockdown and obviously subsequently you know, stopped working with the coach, thought I could do it on my own. And, you know, the weight kind of crept up again, but also, and I'm sure we're going to come on to it, but yeah, you know, came into those 40s and uh, things changed a little bit. Let's go straight into that now then. So you obviously, had, I think people went one or two ways I saw in the pandemic, in the lockdowns and can't blame people for it. Some people has, you know, especially people working in the NHS and things like that. Some people's jobs went crazy and they had even less time and it was even more stressful and they may be homeschooling uh, and other people we saw like yourself like really joined us and really went for it and because they didn't have that social element they were actually able to see amazing results yeah. but then for a lot of those people coming back into sort of 
real life after lockdown was a real shock um you know having to deal with going out socializing going to people's houses work travel again mm-hmm. when they if you lose the weight during that sort of time when it's all gone did you have it was, was that kind of obviously you stopped working with that coach but also did it do you think those things just sort of ramp back up again without you realizing and did that have an impact at all yeah I think it was a combination of things like not having a goal right I you know when I look back in hindsight like what was it that was so successful not having that goal of turning 40 I'm not going to turn 40 you know every year so it's like okay not having that goal and that kind of milestone and that thing to aim and strive for and um the combination of coming out of lockdown being social again traveling to see family traveling to see friends traveling for work um back to those kind of bigger meals out and you know back to wine and all of the things that you know we didn't have you know I think I kind of went for a little bit but I think it was like I also you know when I was thinking about talking to you I think I was thinking it's one and done yeah you know and I know now that that's just such a stupid mentality to have because it's something that we will always take care of right and we'll always be conscious of but at that moment I was just I, I think I was just like so in that zone of oh I've done it now like I don't need to think about it anymore but how wrong I was <laughs> Yeah, it's tricky, isn't it? We always talk about, I talk about the three essential motivators, so accountability, support and community and how those naturally need to be sustained to sustain the results, not in the same level. So, for example, if you hired a coach and you're working one-to-one, you don't necessarily need them to yeah. sustain you forever working one-to-one because that's expensive, but they can get you there. But then you need to take the stabilizers off slowly. Yeah. What a lot of people do is just go everything and then suddenly it's all, all the support's gone and there's no community and there's nothing and then 100% very quickly especially if it's combined with coming out of that very strange situation we were in and thrown back into I think for a while socializing and work travel went like zero to a hundred overnight or even worse you know even more than it was before yeah. and you said this was like compounded then by perhaps some hormonal changes that were starting to happen for you as well that you started to notice so how did that manifest itself like what did that look like or feel like for you um I think I was quite oblivious to it for quite some time um and I had my first hot flush um like I would probably say yeah like maybe last year and I kind of obviously knew what it was and then I was like oh my goodness what's going on like surely I'm too young for that Mm. um and then I had a really kind of um like um a night sweat so I've had like a couple of different things that are indicating those things but also at the same time I was going back to hit classes and you know doing double workout days and um watching what I was eating tracking and realizing that nothing was happening so all of those things combined, I was like, oh, there's something weird going on with me. And did I have to just admit defeat and think, oh, you know, hit my 40s, I'm never going to lose the weight. Um, I'm, you know, I actually um, bagged up all my small clothes and I was ready to get eBaying and all of the things. Um, and I kind of contacted you as a bit of a last resort to say, you know, is this possible or do I have to just kind of live with this now that I've hit that magical age? And, you know, I think the symptoms of, of perimenopause obviously made me realize what was going on. And I think I, that, you know, obviously 
you talk about it a lot now, but I didn't know it at the time, you know, that, that that is probably what I was going through. And that's why I wasn't able to make the changes, you know, in my body that I thought that I wanted to make. And I think that's a really good point that a lot of people think I'm too young for this to be happening. And actually those changes can happen 10 years before clinical menopause. So going a year without a period. So it can easily happen for some people, late thirties, it can even be happening. And most people just don't put one, two and two together, but obviously you're very aware of this. You did. And obviously then what you were doing maybe didn't work. And again, you, you have this awareness. I know you obviously followed us. So you could kind of see, oh, maybe this is what's happening where a lot of people don't, um, don't know. And they just keep doing the same thing that used to work and wondering why it's not working anymore. Yeah. So what results have you seen now then? I know you've, you've been with us for six weeks. You've been working with Simone. Give us the highlight reel. Like what are the, the key things that have happened and changed for you? So firstly, I have to do a shout out to Simone because she is amazing. So thank you so much for pairing us up together. Um, I've got so, like in such a short space of time, my mind is blown. I, I like I, um, I, I don't know what more to say. Like I literally, so I've lost almost four kilos, would you believe, which, you know, I'm quite a small person anyway. Um, so to lose that amount in such a short space of time is absolutely insane. I, uh, my clothes are getting big. I was just away on a, a business retreat with one of my coaches and she was like, oh my goodness, you've like shrunk since I last saw you. So it was lovely for, for someone to start noticing um, that bag of clothes that didn't go on eBay. I've actually started getting things out. I'm actually wearing something now um, from the small bag of clothes. Um, and, you know, when I took my four week pictures, I really noticed a big difference. So I've lost inches everywhere. I've lost two inches off each of my thighs, which... I have no clue where those went. Um, so I, I'm absolutely blown away by, you know, the results and the outcome. And in terms of kind of the highlights and what made a difference, um, I, I, I stopped doing so much, um, which sounds so counterintuitive to my, you know, two years ago self. Um, but I dropped my HIIT workouts. Um, I doubled down on like basically just steps um making sure I was getting some steps in maybe an extra walk um, most days if I could get out and it's really good to kind of get out and about as well um and you know I was doing some cardio but I've switched that up for kind of low impact cardio so I do have a peloton um where I was doing the hit and hills and all of the crazy high impact stuff um and I've just switched that out for really low impact or beginner rides and just kind of gently there to kind of turn my legs but obviously I'm still lifting in the gym um take that very seriously and I'm really evangelical about women lifting in gyms um and I think it's really really important to do that and I've been super fortunate to have had 10 years of lifting um and you know not new new at it anymore but I do think it's important um you know to start when you can even if that's in your 40s 50s and 60s you're never too late to do that so um yeah I'm I'm you can tell from my voice and my big smile that I'm absolutely just beaming and you know something that I didn't really imagine was even ever possible you know anymore because I was like literally ready to get rid of the clothes and you know, now in such a short space of time, the turnaround is is absolutely crazy for me. And I actually don't have a lot more to go. So um, yeah, within six, probably within, you know, that first 12 week period, I'll be saying, you know, let's, let's slow it down. And uh, let's think about how we move this into a more sustainable approach. 
Amazing. And I think for the context of anyone listening who works in stone, a lot of people who work, work in stone, that's two thirds of a stone already pretty much in six weeks. So well on track for a stone or more in 12. And as you said, you started off, you know, fairly small anyway. Everyone's different, but you're not starting off at 100 kilos or you know, 16 stone. Some people like that will lose a lot of weight very quickly. So you can see really good progress. And the irony is you've done it by doing less, which I think is just seems <laughs> so counterintuitive that most people think it almost sounds too good to be true. So this is why I want, you know, people like yourself to share that actually you don't have to be doing all the hit and, you know, blocking yourself. I I actually like that type of training. So I think it's interesting. Like I can see why people also will want to do it. Yeah. At the same time, there's a point where there's, there's a bit of this rhetoric. There's a few different things that people say that I think aren't helpful and one of them is like, I'll oh, just do the exercise you love. And I think to a degree that's good, but there's a point where actually it's not good for your body and your body, you have to accept, okay, maybe I'll do that, but it's not so good for me, especially if your job and your career and your lifestyle is already very stressful. Putting all that extra stress on during those hormone changes will not work for weight loss. So you've de-stressed it and you're seeing really good results. And then the other rhetoric is, I don't know if you heard this from people around you or saw this, but I hear this from a lot of clients is, Oh, yeah, when you hit menopause, it just you know, it all goes to pot. You just put on loads of weight. And yep. <laughs> and I think if you believe that, it's going to, ha- it almost manifests itself as happening because you think, oh, sorry, I'll have that glass of wine or that bottle. I'll finish yeah. the bottle because I'm just going to gain weight anyway. Yeah. So, what's the point? Did you hear yes. that from people around you? And did we, were you oh, like, of course. scared of that happening? Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I, I grew up in a household, my mum was always on a diet. Right. So, you know, then, you know, I'm not saying I definitely don't want to pin it on her. Right. But there's, you know, there is a certain kind of modeling and conditioning that you and as you said, the rhetoric that you get from from that. And, you know, my mum's always telling me, oh, when you get to a certain age, you'll never be able to shift the weight and all of the things, you know, that have happened to her. Um, And, you know, it was really nice to find that that wasn't actually the case. And I and I knew that already from you and all of your incredible testimonials and ladies that have gone before. You know, I know that it's possible. um, And I just hoped that it would work for me just as well as it had worked for others as well. And obviously it has. And how has that then those those changes you've had? But also, I don't want to just focus on the physical, like the energy, the the feeling you get from lifting the weights. Like, how does that? Because I know for me, like I've been training this morning. The main one of the main reasons I do the type of training that our clients also do, I do strength training as well, is it builds my confidence. I was a very unconfident teenager, and you know, it, it's something I've always had to work on. I've just never been that confident. I think a lot of people are in the same boat. But it gives me a lot more confidence. So if that makes any sense, I don't know how how has it made yeah. you feel. Not we'll talk about both sides, okay? So let's talk about the weight loss, but also the energy and the confidence uh, and the lifting. Like, how does that then impact your career? Because obviously, you're a career coach and you've had a very successful career. How does that then link into the rest of your life? Such a, such a good question, um, and I want to touch on all of the points. But in terms of what lifting gives to me, um, exactly what you said, like confidence, but also like I'm empowered. Like I feel like um, I talk to um, some people at the gym and I talk about my calluses on my hand um, and the bruises that I get sometimes when I'm just a bit blase about, you know, carrying the weights around or changing plates or whatever. And I'm like, no, they're they're battle scars. They're my, you know, um, badge of honor. They're my badassery, right? Like that's how I feel. Like when I'm 
in the gym and I'm lifting just as much as the guys sometimes more um you know that's how it makes me feel is just it makes me feel empowered I think that's the only word I can use and you know just knowing that the the body is incredible and the body you know just works with you and what you do on a regular basis and what your habits are um and I think you know the more that you put into it the more that it gives you back and you know lifting um like a pb or lifting i don't know i'm aiming for a double body weight deadlift at the moment um but i mean those kind of things are incredible and i you know that's why i think lifting you know aside from the aesthetics lifting gives you so much um and as i mean you work out in a community as well right there's a community element there's an element of pushing yourself there's an element of trusting yourself as an element of seeing what's possible from the body and the changes that you can make regardless of if that's aesthetics or not but I think you know you're always going to make changes to your body whether you can see them or not um, and I think that the health benefits of those you know strengthening the muscles strengthening the bones um, making sure you're injury proof and you know just there is so much aside from aesthetics which is amazing and I would do it regardless of what I look like um, and then I think that the aesthetic side is um, you know it's the cherry on on the top right it's you know when you want to wear a tank top and you know you've got really nice shoulders and traps and your arms and you know people are kind of starting to give you compliments or you know people people pass you the bottle to open or you know those kind of things because they can't they can't manage it themselves um you know that's how I I feel the the muscle definition um you know really adds to that because you can be a slim body with no muscle um and and you know, we know that beauty is in the eye of the beholder, right? So whatever, you know, you want to look like is entirely up to you. I'm not here to judge. Um, but for me, I find, you know, you know, muscle, muscly women, toned women, you know, I know how hard they've worked for that. So there's not just a aesthetic, there's a, oh, there's an admiration of the discipline um, that has gone into that as well, I think. So, um, and then you were kind of asking me about how that makes me feel in my career and the changes that I have kind of made or seen um, since I've been losing the weight. And I think, you know, when people notice that you have been looking after yourself, um, I think that that's a really nice kind of um, like a reflection of, you know, the hard work that you've put in. Um, but honestly, I think, you know, as we mentioned, I was already a fairly small person. I could probably have never lost any more weight and been totally fine um but why I wanted to do it was because I wanted to show up for me and my clients being the best possible version of myself um and I think when you've got that motivation and that why behind it it also the drive is a bit stronger and you've got that kind of you can pin that discipline when motivation is gone you can kind of pin something on what the future looks like and um, for me, you know, I do a lot of speaking. Um, I do a lot of presenting, um, do some motivational speaking and, you know, to get up in front of people and to, you know, share my story or to share some tips or hints about, you know, career success um, and how to be more confident. You know, I want to be in the best possible place that I can be when I'm, you know, sharing what I've done and my achievements and, and trying to empower other women and, you know, motivate other women in the process being the best possible version of myself. And I think that's a good point about being the best possible version of you. It's not about trying to look like someone else. 
you know, you see this person on social media and go, I want to look like, I remember when I started getting to fitness, it initially was like, yeah, that, that I want to have arms like that person or this, like that person. And you learn, hopefully, that you can't look like another person. You can, be, you can be the best version of you. And that's really, really empowering. But actually, it's very, it can be very demotivating to try and look like someone else. So I think it's good to have that distinction because I think there's a, there's a lot of different things going around now, aren't there, about, oh, you should be happy just as you are, which I think I agree with. But at the same time, oh, you know, it shouldn't affect how you feel if you change, you know, if you, it being so or, 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 you know, or looking different. But I think in reality, for me, it definitely does have an impact, whether you want to talk, you know, whether you want to, whether it's right or wrong, it has an impact on how I feel, with my confidence. Um, and I don't need to look like someone else, but me showing up as the best version of me is going to mean I show up with more confidence if I'm presenting or if I'm doing something. I don't know if you, what your thoughts are around that. Absolutely. And I think, you know, we, social media is such a funny era that we live in now, isn't it? Like everything's accessible. The world is smaller. Um, we are seeing, you know, all of these amazing pictures of all different types of people. Um, and it is very um, kind of, um, it kind of enthralls us or we're kind of captivated by, you know, what's possible by other people and, and seeing it. And I think, you know, there's a distinction to be made by being inspired by someone, maybe these big CrossFitters. Um, I, I still am very inspired by them, whether you're into CrossFit or not. I think you can, uh, you know, admire their work ethic um, and learn a lot from them in terms of their, you know, discipline, their motivation and, you know, how they look. For me, that's, you know, like wow um but I think you know I also recognize I'm never gonna look like Tia Toomey right and you know whether or not that was my job um you know we're different people we're different humans we've got different backgrounds with different um uh, gene structures we're different heights you know and, and I just think you know what like just if we can just be authentically ourselves because if we try to be somebody else um you know then we're just letting that person down and we're letting ourselves down by trying to emulate or be somebody else right the world needs us to show up genuinely and authentically as ourselves and that diverse thought like nobody else is you and that is our superpower essentially right you know that we need all of the things that make us us our experience our our, our lived experiences our qualifications our proud moments our achievements our conditioning from our parents where we lived you know that's what brings the diversity of thought into you know whatever we're doing and you know for me into the into you know the workplace or our careers is that you know why would we spend time trying to be anyone else when we ourselves are you know magical and i can tell from that that you, you know, you're super inspiring in what you do so let's jump into that then so what how would you describe what you do now and who do you actually work with specifically now so you've gone from being global sales leader flying around the world managing big teams so what what is it you do now so at the moment I am, um, I'm, I've just transitioned. So it's still fairly new for me, um, but very, very passionate about supporting women in corporate. So I'm a leadership coach and career strategist. Um, and for me, I help women in corporate who um, feel like they don't have the confidence to advance their leadership careers, right? So um, I spent 20 years in um, what's, a very feminine industry so beauty and fragrances um and you know um consumer packaged goods essentially 
And, you know, whilst you would think, yes, that sounds very feminine, Beth, and, you know, a lot of middle managers and, you know, uh, employees were females. Um, But when I got to the point of leaving, I was probably the most senior woman in commercial sales globally in our division. Um, And I was working on the biggest account. And, you know, I just felt like, where is there for me to go anyway? Because there's no one else that looks like me above. And whether it's true or not, I felt like there was a bit of a ceiling. And if it was recognizable for me in a small, like a the, the beauty fragrance industry, we actually had no women on the board um, until last month, actually. Um, but it just felt like there was something wrong. And I realized the impact that I was having on my team, I could do it on a much wider scale if I could do it for myself on my own self-employed and you know actually my biggest passion is to readdress the gender balance in senior leadership because you know there are amazing women out there who are not getting the recognition that they deserve and you know whether we put that on the company and say you're doing a bad job and I'm not that kind of person, right? So I'm the kind of person that goes, actually, you know, let's make something happen ourselves, right? I'm not going to wait around for somebody to change their corporate um, ethos and wait or to be a a quota or to be, you know, tick box exercise or let's have a female tick. You know, that's not how I roll, right? So for me, it was more about actually what can we do as individuals to make sure that we are stepping up and we are seen and we are recognised and valued. Um, and for me, there's so many women who are totally capable of being in that senior leadership position. Um, and yet we hold ourselves back. So through things like imposter syndrome or um, you know, even things like overthinking, overanalyzing, um, perfectionism. Um, if we can't do it perfectly, why would we do it at all? So, you know, for me, I wanted to kind of come in and, and bust some myths really around, you know, those women who were thinking of themselves not worthy, not good enough, you know, can't possibly be me into how can I put myself in that position? How can I put my hand up and say that, that is the job I want? And how can that company support me to do that? So that is where I wanted to kind of really change my um, complete kind of tactic in in my career and support other women to get into those more senior leadership positions and not just get there, but absolutely thrive and totally smash it because I know that they absolutely can. And it's fascinating to me that you've mentioned perfectionism and that kind of self-doubt, which obviously links to career, but it's those are the very same things that hold people back in losing weight interestingly so one we had an event in January and the client came up to me and said you know one thing I've noticed is every single one of us have an issue with perfectionism and it's got them so far in their career it's also like helped them to succeed with diets to a certain degree but when something goes slightly wrong or isn't perfect like they have to go out and eat a meal out and it's you know it's a corporate meal and there's there's not a good choice on the menu sod it it's, it's I've ruined it for the week and they give up for the entire week they regain the weight they lost and they can become this yo-yoing cycle so it's it's really interesting because I'm sure the work you do would also actually help someone with succeeding in all areas of their life like perfectionism holds mm-hmm. us back lack of self-belief holds us back so in your I know it's fairly early days but I'm sure we've already had loads loads of different wins so give us a few specific wins you've had with clients or in in kicking you know, kicking off this business what what have the biggest wins been so far 
Yeah, I mean, I've worked with some amazing women so far and I've absolutely loved kind of being part of their journey. It's such a privilege. I know that you as a coach feel exactly the same way. Um, yeah, I've had some women um, who come to me who are trying to return to work, you know, potentially after maternity leave and they're feeling like they've not their confidence. They feel like they're not the same person. Their priorities have changed. Um, and I'm working with one particular lady. She's just gone back to work after having her first baby. Um, and she's already negotiating her promotion and, you know, what her next salary looks like. And, you know, she's stepping into that role and we're kind of looking into, you know, what does the next 12 months look like for you? What are the measures of success? You know, how are you going to approach it and tackle it? And how are you going to put boundaries in place so that you can still enjoy time with your, you know, your new family and your newborn and, you know, still strive for that career success that you're looking for so for me it's about kind of making sure that they feel more confident and that they know that they've got someone in their corner um and exactly what you had said kind of support and accountability um it it really a little goes a long way you know you kind of just want a sounding board and and, and at times an independent sounding board like you don't necessarily want people at work to know that you're feeling or thinking these kind of things so to go someone independent and having that kind of conversation that you can bounce ideas off and and kind of get a bit more motivation and support and encouragement is really beneficial um and I've got another lady who was you know just kind of quite happy with her job not really thinking about you know what was coming next she was wondering about you know I don't know what's happening with my career or, you know, all of these things. And then she started working with me. We started working on her goals. We started working on what it was that she actually wanted to achieve. Um, and no sooner had she actually said her dream job out loud that she had got headhunted for it. Um, and she said that two people had recommended her for this incredible, she said, dream job that she thought that she would nowhere near be considered for. And now she's getting super excited. She's in the third round of interviews and, you know, it looks like it could potentially be in the bag. So it is amazing when people just take that time to reflect. Um, and I also think, I don't know about you, but like when they invest in themselves as well, like there's something magical that happens when you realize that this I'm worthy and I'm important enough to invest in. And actually, I'm going to take it seriously and I'm going to do the work and everything just kind of falls into place. So something really amazing happens. Like I know when you pay, you pay attention, but something magical really happens in that transformation period to go. Yes, this is this is for me now. And I'm going to put myself first and I'm going to invest in myself and spend money on myself because I might not have done that for so long. And, you know, I'm actually going to figure out what it is that I want to achieve and I'm going to go for it and I think having that accountability partner as well is, is so beneficial yeah and we've always done the same I know it's slightly different but we've always invested in mentors or almost always whenever we haven't things have drifted or slipped a little bit or at least just flat line so like a lot of people in their career I'm sure again it's just the same thing and they kind of feel stuck and like you said it feels like that's that ceiling and we've had the same thing in business and then We've made lots of significant investments in mentors over the years. And like you said, the, the switch flip flips almost as soon as you, it's yeah. always like, oh, that's expensive. But I'll, yeah. I'll invest in that thing because uh, I believe that person, you know, will help me. And there's there's two things, as you said, there's the one is like, I've invested in myself. I feel worthy of it. But also then having that person in your corner to say like, no, this is possible. Look, here's a situation where people have done that and succeeded and just that it shifts your mindset it opens your mind to what is possible and I think so many of us 
we like to think we can do everything on our own. I think, I don't know why we, we believe it. I'm the same. And then we delude ourselves into thinking it, that it's, you know, that's a, a good option. But if, if I see it with people a lot of the time, you know, they go, oh, I had a phone call with you two years ago. Nothing has changed. And, and then they, they sign up. And then like you, you know, six weeks in, everything has changed. Everything and, has changed. And the, the quicker you can take that leap, it's scary. I get it. Um, the quicker you can get those results. So what would you say like the key characteristics or traits or skills? Obviously, it's hard to do on your own, but if you could give someone a few tips like to to take that leap, you know, in terms of their career or to take that next step, what are the kind of the main things you work on with people? Yeah, I mean, I work a lot um, on kind of mindset. Um, I know that you do as well. I think that is the kind of fa- key foundation for for changing everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I were to kind of give you like maybe three top tips to kind of think about. So one would be have a plan. Like I know that sounds so simple and so a little bit like too simplistic, but actually, you know, some people in their career just like they're almost disempowering themselves because they're just waiting for people to tell them what to do next. Um, So not having a plan is actually like one of the worst things that you can do because then you kind of get pushed from pillar to post and your career is in someone else's hands. So I would recommend having a plan and figuring out what your next step is and what that looks like, because anyone that works in corporate knows that corporate positions are like games of chess um, and, you know, anything can happen. You know, someone can move on very quickly. Someone could get made redundant. Someone, you know, could drop out of that job, the, the dream job that you would love to see yourself in. And if you have done nothing about it to position yourself to be there and you haven't told anybody, nobody's psychic um you know I think it's you know have a plan and you know start working towards that regardless of if you feel ready or not because you know if you're not having a plan I always say you know um being passive won't get you promoted so it's like if you're just waiting for someone else to to recognize your work and recognize that you can go further then that's your biggest mistake so the first one is having a plan The second one we've already touched on a little bit is that you already have the exact right personality to be the impactful leader that you want to be and you aspire to be. So it's like um, in corporate, a lot of women are told you should be more strong, you should be more aggressive, you should be less emotional or less sensitive or, you know, you should be this or you should be that. Actually, just be yourself, just be authentically yourself because nobody is you and nobody has your lived experiences. Um, And when you show up authentically as yourself, there is no better version of yourself. So for me, it's like, um, you don't need to be an introvert or an extrovert for this job or that job, right? It is, everything's available to you. And if you desire it, I know that it's possible for you. So the personality. Um, And then um, for me, work on your mindset. So we've also touched on kind of perfectionism. So kind of maybe learning to live in the gray rather than in the black and the white. So progress over perfection um, and, you know, not beating yourself up about the things that didn't go well, but celebrating the things that did go well. And, you know, you've already mentioned it as well, but it's like we do get more of what we focus on. So if we're focusing on what we've got and what we're grateful for and the amazingness that we've already achieved and we've done, amazing, you'll get more of that stuff. But if you focus on the lack and the things that we didn't do or the weight that we didn't lose or, you know, yes, we achieved it, but this didn't go right, you know, we're already not 
speaking ourselves well into existence so I think that there is a lot of synergies certainly in that kind of mindset element of you know that is the, the key foundation of all of the things um you know in life and and career and weight loss and all of the things that you actually want to achieve it's you know let's let's look at the mindset and you know how you're approaching things and I think that's almost impossible to do on your own I mean that's why we both exist as businesses is because I've always found this like you get stuck in your own loops and the people around you are saying the same things and your circle and your partner or whoever you hear the same things and that is what's got you this far but if you want to get further you need to hear something different because there's so many different perspectives on the same thing also love the point about leadership because I've seen more and more of that now as we progress and we're getting around other founders of businesses like there's not one blueprint there's some people who are super logical and completely unemotional there's some people who are really emotional and amazing people connectors and there's people who are actually not very good at connecting with people but you know they still make it work their own way yeah um so it's i think we can often write i think i used to do this a lot write yourself off i can't do this yeah. because i'm not a people person or i'm not a whatever and you do you see this a lot in people like they sort of almost write themselves off before you even get started by saying just saying i'm not that so i can't yeah, absolutely. And that's the imposter syndrome, right? It's the, um, I'm not worthy of the job that I have, let alone the job that I want. So I just won't bother. I won't go for it. I, you know, they try and keep ourselves small, even though they've got big dreams, because they don't think about the evidence that they've got in the bank of all the amazing things that they've done in the past. So definitely people talk them out, talk themselves out of things before they've even started uh, because they think they're going to be hard. It's like um, procrastinating on a task that you think is going to take you forever. And then when you finally get around to doing it, it takes you 10 minutes. So it's like those kind of things. It's like, if you never try, you never know for me. Absolutely. Yeah. It's such a perception thing, isn't it? With like, we make it, such a big thing in our head and we just yeah. need that person to kind of say it'll be fine there's a yeah. push you go and yeah. do it and yeah. then amazing things happen so I could talk about this all day um but let's wrap this up I know you're super busy so if if you want to find out more about you and what you do where yeah. is the best place um for people to go uh probably Instagram I like to hang out on Instagram a lot so um you can reach out to me at at meet Beth Hocking so as in nice to meet you not as in meet the protein because that would just be weird so um m-e-e-t Beth Hocking and um yeah I try and post um most days and little um you know motivational tips about your career um I also post my trinity journey over there so you can kind of follow me along and um and figure out how I'm getting on and uh, and watch my journey there as well yeah, I'll drop some links into the podcast notes if you're listening. And obviously that's pretty straightforward to find, but you can drop, I'll drop a link to your Instagram on there. So definitely go and check it out. As Beth said, she's also sharing a Trinity journey. So if you have any questions, I'm sure Beth will be happy to answer those as well as career-based stuff. Yeah. So Beth, thank you so much for making the time. It's been an amazing conversation as always. Um, we'll have to catch up in you know, a couple of months time to see where you're at then. Um, but yeah, I just want to say again, thank you so much and um, speak to you again soon about this. Awesome. Thanks. Cheers. So thank you for listening to today's episode of the Trinity podcast. If you've enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to hit that subscribe button inside your podcast app so you don't miss future shows. And also please leave us a quick review. It only takes two minutes. We do all of these shows completely for free to help you. So we'd really appreciate a quick review if it's helped you at all. So thank you again so much for listening and we'll catch you next week for the next episode of the Trinity Podcast.